everyone, and welcome to episode number three of the Bronx Brothers podcast. This is an exciting one. It is November the 14th. General manager meetings are taking place currently. The Houston Astros are fucking cheaters and a disgrace to baseball. Kill them all. No, I don't mean kill them all. I don't want anybody to die. But let's start with repercussions and let's just say Jose Altuve has to give Aaron Judge the MVP trophy that rightfully belongs to him anyways. And after that, the Astros have to play all of their home games at Tropicana Field. Seem fair? Sure. Good enough for me. Okay, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, the Astros were caught with sign stealing. It sounds like Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, and God knows who else with the Astros. If you guys want to check out at John Boy, he's got some pretty good video footage and evidence, it looks like, against the Astros. Not a lot of news this week. In terms of we talked about Chapman the last time around. The Yankees have talked to a lot of their guys. No news yet. Um, I know that they've talked to Austin Romine. Well, I shouldn't say I know that like I'm reporting it. But I've read that they've talked to Austin Romine. Uh, They've talked to Didi Gregorius. They've checked in on pretty much all the big pitchers. Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. Um, But typically the GM meetings is when the groundwork is laid for what happens at the winter meetings, which is about three weeks from now. Uh, Trade talks, discussions, stuff like that. And uh, we're going to go into our general manager plan for this offseason. So a few things to remember is, number one, uh, it is a 26-man roster next season, and it has to be 13 pitchers and 13 position players, a change for the game that I actually think is positive, And it will help the Yankees because now you don't have to go with a three-man bench if you want to go with 13 starters to, or 13 pitchers, depending on what they want to do with their – starting rotation next year, which we'll address. Uh, and we'll just kind of go through some of that stuff here. And now uh, a few things. This is pretty much guesswork. Um, not entirely. I mean, I went through MLB trade rumors and I just took the projections for their arbitration eligible players. Uh, I non-tendered some of them and took the MLB around or at least roughly close to the MLB trade rumors version of uh, contract projections for the players that I have attempted to acquire in this simulation. So a few things guaranteed to be on the Yankees roster next year. Uh, We have gone through everything. Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, um, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu, Luke Voigt. I mean, you guys kind of know the names by this point of who is who, what is what. Araldus Chapman is under contract, uh, so that's something that got out of the way relatively quickly. I came into the offseason, and what I did was I essentially wrote down, if I did nothing, absolutely nothing with this roster, what would uh, the the lineup look like? So what I have is Luke Voigt, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Gio Urshela, Stanton in left, Talkman in center, Judge in right, Sanchez behind the plate with Andujar as the DH. The pitching rotation was Severino, Tanaka, Paxton, Happ, and Montgomery. That's not necessarily in order. Araldus Chapman, Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, Chad Green, Tommy Canley, Jonathan Holder, Johnny Lasagna, and Luis Sessa. Okay, so that's if absolutely nothing happened. Okay, obviously, even the Yankees in moves where seasons where we accuse them of being cheap, they make moves. So they are going to make moves. Uh, It's just a matter of what those moves are and how they will affect the team 
going forward. So first, what I want to do for the two of us is I want to start uh, with the in-house free agents. So what we're going to do is we'll say we'll keep them or we'll let them walk. Uh, and if you let them or if you kept them, I want to know what you signed them to. And then if you let them walk, obviously, then we just say we let them walk. Okay. Let's start with the one that I think is the easiest and the obvious, most obvious, and that is Brett Gardner. Uh, I re-signed him to a one-year deal. I didn't bid against myself. Uh, I think that you can give him a high incentive deal worth about $5 million that could stretch it to almost 10 with some attainable incentives in there. But honestly, my thought process was in terms of the money, if Brett Gardner is not going to get paid by the Yankees, who is going to pay a 36-year-old guy? Who can? I mean, he can play pretty much every position in the outfield. Probably not the greatest arm to play right field, but he could play right field in a pinch. He's going to hit okay. Obviously, bring some clubhouse leadership stuff like that. But you know, last year, I think he made too much money. And I know that some will say, "Look, well, why in the hell would he take less money than he got last year?" I just think the Yankees. I can play the leverage game a little bit better this time around. So I got him a five million dollar deal with incentives that can get it to ten. I'm assuming you brought back Brett Gardner as well. Yep. I brought him back for a one year where his incentives deal can get him up to eight and a half. So he made what? Seven and a half last yep. year is what we talked about. You're giving him a million dollars more if he can reach that point. Um, but yeah, we're around the $5 million mark and then bump him up to eight and a half. And yeah, I agree with you though. Who's, who's going to pay a 36 year old outfielder? Like not a lot of teams are clamoring for one of those. Like, Correct. So it's just going to be – I'm going to be more interested to see what Cashman in the front office do to actually pay him, like what the amount is going to be to pay him. Yeah, that's one of those it feels inevitable. Uh, I, I guess I didn't even think about this. Is As we record here, there is one bit of news. Will Smith signed a three-year, $40 million deal with the Atlanta Braves that has the potential to turn into a four-year, $52 million deal. So some things are moving kind of quickly, and that actually might – that's make, a really good move for the Braves. It, it is, and it might make one of my moves here later seem like it's a little cheap, but we'll see uh, how that goes in terms of everything because I just used a projection. So Didi Gregorius is next on the list. I was going to play him a highlight video of his big home runs in 2017, his Grand Slam in 2019, and say thank you very much for playing with a blown-up elbow a season ago. Uh, but Go play for the Cincinnati Reds or the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, sad, sad day in the in the heart of me. But I again, we talked about it last week. I just think that he's going to make too much money. Yeah, and it's a little crazy to say too much money, quote unquote, with the Yankees. But something else that I tried to do, I was successful. I can't speak for him, but something I tried to do was get or stay under the two hundred forty-eight million dollar tax threshold, which is the final one with the stiffest of penalties. Uh, reason being that I I just don't think the Yankees are going to go over that tax threshold. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it would be a nice, pleasant surprise if they didn't care about that. But everything tells me that they do. So that was the thought process there. Uh, Dellen Betances. Uh, this is another tough one just because it's kind of hard to gauge his market uh, as a player coming off an injury. He faced two hitters all season long. That was it. Uh, and he, I had him, I brought him back. I said one year about $7 million, maybe some incentives to bring that in. I'd be willing to include those if his market is a little more aggressive. But, I mean, it's crazy to think that the Yankees had the best bullpen in baseball last year, and Betances, when healthy, can be the best piece of that bullpen. Mm -hmm. 
I was willing to take a chance on that. He's been here. I'm hoping that Randy Levine opening his fat mouth a couple years ago at arbitration keeps him or keeps quiet um, and gets gets Patances back in New York for one season, and then you know we can kind of reevaluate some things from there. But I did bring Dellen back. Did you? Yeah, I did for one year, six and a half million dollar okay. deal. So we're right about in the same range. Uh, Austin Romine. This is where you'll see as I get into some of my my money situations here a little bit later. It's just it doesn't make sense to pay a backup catcher anything. I mean, really, I know that Gary Sanchez is going to spend some time on the disabled list. I understand that that's happened every year since he's been in the major leagues. At the same time, I think Kyle Higashioka can do the same things that Austin Romine does. Austin Romine, I don't care what Twitter says, is a bad offensive player. Um, and he, he just is. I mean, there was a point this year where he had a weighted runs created plus of like 20, which is horrendous uh, for a lot of different reasons. So I let Romine walk. Uh, and I did the same with Cameron Mabin. It's just another one of those things. I don't think he'll cost anything. It's just once you bring back Gardner and you're hoping for Hicks to come back, it's just kind of one of those, like, where's his place on the roster? Appreciate the clubhouse and all the stuff that you did this year. Hogwatch was great, uh, but it's time to move on. So Romine and Mabin, what did you guys do? Uh, I let both of them walk as well. Um, I really think that especially in the Yankee situation, that backup catcher is a, I don't want to say like make it sound like it's much more important than what it is, but it is very important because the Yankees are very analytics driven and Austin Romine doesn't really meet those qualities defensively. So me, when we, when we get further down the line, I actually brought in someone who is very analytic defensively, very good defensively. So yeah, Romine walked, and then I agree with you on Maven. It's just if they don't sign an outfielder, I feel like they're comfortable with what they have for their outfield depth already. So, so there's that. There's what we have for in-house free agents. Um, I guess Cody Guerin, but I think that one's an easy see you later. Same with, same with like Tyler Lyons. And... Tyler Lyons elected free agency. I don't care about him. I still have no idea why he was on the postseason roster. Yeah. Uh, None of that made any sense, but that is what it is. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody that this, the unofficial sponsor of the Bronx Brothers podcast is Dr. Pepper. And again, the unofficial sponsor, because I never asked them to sponsor this. So here's some free marketing for Dr. Pepper, also known as by my good friend, Christian Bois as burp juice. So if I let out a really large burp later, you guys know why. All right, let's move to the fun stuff because we know last year's team was good. We know that there are teams and players on the market that fit the needs that the Yankees have. So that's what we're going to get into right now. Arbitration-wise, like I mentioned, you guys, so James Paxton, Tommy Canley, Tyler Lyons, who elected free agency, so he's not on here. Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Chad Green, Jordan Montgomery, Luis Sessa, Gio Rochella, and Jonathan Holder. Okay, I allowed my first move was to allow Greg Bird to walk. Get the hell off of my team. I have no love for you. Uh, and it's not because he's been injured. That's not his fault. But just when you compare his story to like Luke Voigt's story, and you're going to give him every benefit of the doubt whatsoever, and when that guy says, I'm just happy to be here kind of thing, 
that will forever rub me the wrong way. And I will never be happy with that because I would never just be happy to be a major leaguer if I was. And I know that like, I can't compare my life to a professional athlete and that drives me nuts when that does happen. But that being said, that was my first move. And now let's get into the serious stuff. The things that matter. Number one, first and foremost, Garrett fucking Cole. It's a no-brainer. Uh, I gave him eight years, $260 million. I think that that's right around the line. Some people are suggesting he's going to be seven years, about 30 mil. I think it'll go a little higher than that. Offer him. Somebody asked, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Brendan Cuddy of the uh, NJ.com said, how much money should the Yankees offer Garrett Cole? My response was all of it. Give him all of them. I mean, guys, again, it is a no brainer. This is a guy who has pitched in the American league. He's pitched in October. Had the Astros won the World Series, Cole wouldn't have had an argument for World Series MVP, but he would have been a very key component of that. You add in that, let's just do this this way. If I add Garrett Cole and nothing else, my postseason rotation next year is Garrett Cole, James Paxton, Luis Severino, and Masahiro Tanaka. Is there a better rotation in the sport for the postseason than anybody can throw at me? I'm not sure that there is. Uh, it would be a really nice matchup between... You know, the Astros with Verlander and Grinky, obviously. But I still think I like my chances there with a lot of different possibilities that they could do that. Garrett Cole's a no question. Absolutely no brainer to me. I stuck him at the top of the rotation and said, thank you very much. You can start on opening day. You're the hired gun. Please shave that beard. It's unfortunate that that's the rule around here, but it is. So shave your beard and uh, let's go win a World Series on the strength of your right arm. I gave him $40 million in the first two seasons. That's something that's been suggested because the Yankees have a shitload of money coming off of the books after this season. So it kind of softens the blow a little bit. They can afford that next year uh, when like Jacoby Ellsbury comes off the books. I think uh, Masahiro Tanaka's contract year is this year. So some information like that is helpful as well. What was your first big move? Garrett Cole. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Uh, I went upwards of 260, though. I gave him eight for 270. Okay. I just feel like free agency has been slow the past couple of years, but I feel like he's going to get his money, and it's going to be in that middle range of 33 to $34 million. That's where that puts him is right there. There's no doubt. He should have won the American League Cy Young. I don't know how the hell Justin Verlander over him stealing his signs something about stealing signs that's the answer okay yeah that makes sense but you know you plug you said it already you plug him in at the top you're automatically one pitcher deeper and not to mention you can let him ride for eight innings Mm -hmm. we've seen it he can do that that helps in a series we talked about it in like the first or the second show if you can let one guy ride for eight innings, you save the bullets of the bullpen, and they don't get to see him an extra time. Right, and this is where the analy- and the analytics are important. We've talked about that. You know, I like the approach the Yankees are taking with their pitching staff with Matt Blake and pretty much going heavy, heavy on the analytics. That being said, this is where the analytics fail a little bit, and that is that, like we've mentioned, these guys are not robots. You cannot simply rely on the same guys to be seen day after day after day after day. And when the pitchers themselves, Zach Britton, Tommy Canely, uh, I believe one more if I remember correctly, but I know those two, definitely. Adovino, um, 
CC Sabathia said it on his podcast that maybe a guy like that uh, could help just ease some of the burden of the guys that they have currently on the roster. And I agree with them. I think that having somebody that can do, I mean, again, we kind of talked about it. It's those hidden innings, you know, in 2004, Quantrill and Tom Gordon and dudes like that were throwing, you know, every night. But in addition to throwing every night, they were warming up in games that were blowouts because the only guys that Joe Torre trusted were Quantrill, Gordon and Rivera. And eventually that bullpen played part of blowing the 2004 American League Championship Series, perhaps the biggest part of blowing it. But that's because, again, they saw them night after night after night after night. One of the blunders that I talked about in one of our previous episodes on Game 1 with Masahiro Tanaka was only throwing him six innings. Not because of anything ridiculous. It's just you could have seen it to where they didn't have to see the bullpen. And you had that lead built. So it's not like they were one. You know, I get it. Tanaka's prone to the home run ball. You want to be aggressive with your bullpen, things like that. You could have saved your bullpen from being just seen that one night. Guys like Chad Green got used. Guys like Tommy Canely, you know, everybody was pretty much used that night. And it didn't have to be that way. So that's another thing where I think Garrett Cole comes into handy. Uh, I do take some chances. And the other thing it does, injuries are going to happen, right? James Paxson's been on the DL every single year since he's been in the majors. Luis Severino got hurt last year. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to give guys a break if they need to. Having Garrett Cole saves it to where you're not relying on Jordan Montgomery to be a starter right away. You're not relying on some of these other guys like Johnny Lasagna, Michael King, some of these dudes to step in immediately should you need some help. Same goes for, you know, the Domingo Herman suspension, which I didn't even address. I don't have him on the final roster uh, because I don't know what's going to happen with him, and I think it's pretty much impossible to, to say so. He'll be on, at minimum, he'll be, on an exempt list for a while. So Garrett Cole, it's a no-brainer. There's no reason to pass on him for someone like Zach Wheeler or Madison Bumgarner or anybody like that. The way, the best way that I've heard it described is by Andrew Rotundi from the Bronx Pinstripes podcast. And he said, Why not pay $30 million for a horse instead of $20 million for a pony? And I agree with that wholeheartedly. There is no sense in paying for Zach Wheeler, who would essentially be in the same mold. Actually, he's not as good of a pitcher as James Paxton, but in that same sort of mold of somebody who's relatively inconsistent. The ace is there. You've passed on guys before, regardless of what Brian Cashman says. It's go time. It is time to bring that guy in. CC Sabathia said it best. If you're going to pay that MF enough money, he's going to want to come here. So there you go. Just like you did with CC 10 years ago, it's go time right now. So that was the big one. For me, that was the end of my big moves, if you will. Uh, I made a couple of trade. Well, I should say I made one trade, uh, and I signed some other smaller level guys. Uh, one of mine that I think is like a sneaky favorite of mine is I signed Danny Salazar to a minor league deal. He's worked with Matt Blake before. I think that's somebody that he's got good stuff. You can buy relatively low on him uh, and hope that maybe he rediscovers some of his stuff. And if he doesn't, you're not out anything. I really wanted to try and figure out a way to do something similar with Felix Hernandez just because that's somebody that I've always wanted to see pitch in pinstripes. But he stinks. <laughs> yeah. He I, should... really, I really do like that Danny Salazar move, though. 
um, especially coming from the Indians organization, like you said, mm-hmm. he can be another wild card starter. Like, that's a big thing. Or otherwise, you can just use his two best pitches and pitch him out of the bullpen. He can be Luis Sessa if you want him to. Yep, that wouldn't be a bad way to upgrade Sessa's spot in the bullpen either. So, interesting stuff there. Uh, so, that was it for my big moves, but it sounds like you had another one. I did have another <laughs> one. Um, I traded for Francisco Lindor. Um, now, again... Talk dirty to me. <laughs> we we used a trade simulator. So I don't know if this is going to quote unquote, get the deal done, but I really think that it's close in my mind and the trade simulator thinks it's close too. I traded Davey Garcia, Clint Frazier, Michael King and Clark Schmidt for Francisco Lindor. The Indians are getting an outfield, a major league ready outfielder, which they need. Well, uh, he plays in the outfield. He can hit. Like, <laughs> that like, is Major League Ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they get a Major League Ready outfielder, and they get three really, really young pitchers, one of which who has the ceiling to be the number one in Davey Garcia. I don't really think that Michael King is really all that special. Honestly. Yeah, three, four starter, inning eater type. Those yeah. guys have value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. Now, again... If maybe, you know, he gets into that, you know, voodoo in Cleveland because they just churn out pitching like it's not. Yeah, but we got the voodoo now, so. Well, maybe, but, you know, Michael King could maybe turn into a two at, like, best, like, very best. Sure. And then Clark Schmidt's another guy that, you know, he's another one where maybe at best is a two, probably more of a four or five. Um, That's a lot of value, but you're also getting the best shortstop in the league for at least two years. But come on, man, it's New York. You're going to extend your superstars. Like, that's going to happen. So Francisco Lindor is a New York Yankee for my team, and I'm so happy. That's why it was easy to let D.D. walk, because we're upgrading hugely. Well, let me say, if that happens, the pants are off, and there's there's no need to wear them for quite some time. The reason I didn't pull the trigger on that kind of move is just, one, I don't think the Yankees will do it. Uh, and two, I don't know what it would – I I know the pieces you mentioned. I know the simulator says. I just don't know if the Yankees have the firepower to do it either. If that was the trade offer that was presented to me, i do that without blinking. Uh, there's absolutely no question that that is a trade worth making for Francisco Lindor. That being said, I think the Yankees are going to look at their lineup and say, we're good. Um we're good there for the most part. Um, so that's what I think in terms of that. I think they'll use some of their internal depth. I keep it that way. My next big move, if you will, I'll stay on the pitching side of things, was I signed Drew Pomeranz. Uh, and I gave him two years uh, for $7 million a piece, so $14 million total. And I stuck him in the bullpen because he was really good in the bullpen down the stretch for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. So with him being that good for Milwaukee – I know I upgraded the rotation with Garrett Cole, and I'm going to give you more to upgrade the rotation here in just a minute. But that being said, I have no desires to watch guys like Jonathan Holder or just some of these dudes pitch. And getting a guy who can play like in that middle relief role like Pomeranz, and if the Yankees are going to bullpen guys, it gives you somebody else in that Chad Green role to where, all right, we use Chad Green. It just kind of increases your margin for error. 
That's kind of what I'm thinking of. And he's left-handed, and he throws gas. Well, the big, and the big thing is, is a lot of people with this 26-man roster now are saying that bullpen days are going to be more common. Yep. He can be Nestor Cortez. Yep. Like, he can play that role at a much higher level. At a much, yes. Yeah. Like, so that's that's a really good, like, depth mm-hmm. deal. Like, I, I mean, I don't really know what you want to call it. I mean, now that Will Smith just got almost, what, 40 divided by three is... A lot. $13 million. <laughs> I mean, maybe Pomeranz gets more than that. I don't, more than the $7 million that I got him. But I thought that was a really good piece to finish up on him. So that was my piece in the bullpen. So you traded for Lindor. You've got Garrett Cole. What's your next move on your deal here? Um, I kind of went with a, this might be a head scratcher for most. But um, we talked about it last week about how the Yankees could upgrade in the outfield with Aaron Hicks out. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a guy on the free agent market who everyone thought was going to be the next budding superstar. Well, he's never turned out to be that. And there's one thing that he does very well, though, and that is run and play defense. That's two things. Well, they go hand in hand. <laughs> You're right, though. Two things. He does two things very well is run and play defense. I signed Billy Hamilton. We got rid of Mike Talkman and all that. Billy Hamilton can be your everyday center fielder if you want him to be. Or you can have it be Brett Gardner and just have Hamilton be the defensive replacement. But I signed him to a three-year, $12 million deal, looking forward as he's Brett Gardner's replacement as the fourth outfielder on the roster. Interesting. Uh, I wonder if he could start somewhere, I guess, with him not really hitting. Yeah, he doesn't hit at all. Like, that's that's the reason why I have him as, like, the fourth outfielder. Because he he does have the tool to be a great defensive replacement. He can be Jake Marisnik. Sure. Because Houston then moves Springer to right and makes him an all-world right fielder, while Marisnik is an all-world center fielder. And, well, I mean, maybe that's because they know what... There's not really a sign-stealing joke to be made there, no. I guess. But I'm going to make one, God damn it. Um, no, that's interesting. I do think, too, with that 26-man roster, that guys like Hamilton, who, like, you know, you're one-tool players. Because that was kind of like when the Yankees traded for Terrence Gore, everybody was like, oh, man, he's going to be on the on the roster as a, as a as pinch a runner player. only. And it's like, man, that's hard to just put a guy on your bench when you only carry – I mean, I think the Yankees well, carried a three-man bench the entire well, – postseason and the thing is is like with the whole terrence gore thing i don't mind the move like if sure if yeah it's gonna if it's gonna happen no one i mean he was in the minors the whole time Who and he cares? traded a ham sandwich for yeah him, like. well but the thing is is like i don't want to compare cameron maben's speed to terrence gore's speed because they're on a different level but like you had terrence gore with a better bat on the bench right that was kind of the, and, the what eventually made gore pointless not pointless but obsolete was that Bam Bam Cam was around, and yeah, he can actually provide some value at the plate, which Terrence Gore cannot. Um, so that's that on that side of things. That's an interesting one. I do wonder if that's something the Yankees might look at, because then you're, I mean, if you really think about it for, he's Gardner's replacement down the road, and he's kind of replacing Mike Talkman now, and we talked last week why Mike Talkman might be a bit of a mirage. So that'll be interesting uh, to look at going forward. So, so far, like I've mentioned, I've got Garrett Cole, I've got Danny Salazar on a small deal, and I've got Drew Pomeranz uh, brought in. 
I did have to clear some money out, and in order to do that, I traded Jay Happ and a mid-level prospect. I didn't name one specifically, but a mid-level prospect to get it to the point where the Yankees would only have to eat $5 million of Jay Happ's salary. So, or excuse me, they send $5 million, yeah, and the, the Yankees end up picking up a decent portion of that. So, keeping that in mind, uh, I did that and traded for Archie Bradley from the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that's somebody that the Yankees were interested in last deadline. They were kind of talking about pairing him with Robbie Ray in a trade, uh, and it didn't end up working out, but it's somebody, and Cashman's one of those dudes, though, that if he's targeted you... He goes after you. Yeah, and there's a point where eventually he's going to get you. More often than not, at least, he's going to get you. So I think that that's something that Cashman could look into is getting, and again, Trading Hap and a prospect and a little bit of money, it's not like you're going to get a whole lot back. I know that the Diamondbacks aren't necessarily enamored with Archie Bradley, and I know that Cashman is. So that's kind of my thought process, but that's kind of your basis there. A middle reliever for Hap, a prospect, and some money. So I added that in. I'm not done with trades, but I'll go on over here. We'll move over here to the next guy here. Um, What's your next move on your list here? Breaking news, Knicks fans. Carmelo Anthony just signed a one-year deal in Portland. No kidding. Yeah. Literally huh. just got the update. That's Good for kinda, Carmelo. That's kind of wild. Good for Melo. Yeah. I don't have a problem with him. Me either. I kind of like it. Uh, no, so we'll stick with the Diamondbacks trade. I'll, I'll use one of probably my next biggest move here. I also traded J-Hap. But I said last week that Miguel Andujar would not be on my roster. We traded Miguel Andujar and took a bunch of the Jay Happ contract for this year and traded for Robbie Ray. So they get probably their first baseman of the future because I don't really know if he'll play third base in the National League. That's kind of tough. But they get a major league ready bat who's going to mash for them while we get back another starter. And then they also get a guy who's going to eat innings for them as a middle-tier team and basically get him for nothing because we're going to be paying most of the contract anyway. Right, and if he pitches well there, maybe somebody you can trade at the deadline. Yeah, maybe another piece for them to use. Right. I mean, possibly, sure. I looked at Robbie Ray also because I know that's another guy that Cashman has liked. He's left-handed. He strikes a lot of guys out. Uh, but after doing the hap trade with the Diamondbacks, I looked into some other means uh, as a way to get pitching in here and since we're doing that i'm going to talk the colorado rockies are looking into trading john gray uh and that is where i looked at john gray too i just i couldn't really find anything that matched to like my liking and anything else's liking i really didn't see much of anything but i'm interested yeah and that's where i i sent clint frazier to the rockies and i added more to it again i don't have specifics because with these prospect trades it really is just a little tough but frazier's bat will play well there uh, yeah, well. <laughs> the the defensive issues in the outfield are just going to be what they are. But adding more for that for John Gray, uh, and getting a another one of those starters who he's not he's not a number one starter, but he can come in here and he can provide some value. So my pitching rotation now: Garrett Cole, uh, Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, and John Gray. And again, that's not in order. That just is what it is. Uh, well, as far as I'm throwing it out there, that's a guy the Yankees really could target though. I know his numbers are inflated because of Colorado, and everyone's numbers are inflated because of Colorado, but he strikes a lot of people out. Right, and that's something I think that they'll they'll value. 
So my last move that I made before my trade was I, I signed Eric Thames for a one-year $5 million deal to platoon at first base with Luke Voigt. He's a lefty. He mashes. He can play some corner outfield. You don't really want him to play in the corner outfield, but he can. Um, and have him there for uh, my my Brewers guys that come in and talk to me say he can't hit lefties at all. Okay, well, we're not going to ask him to then. We're just going to platoon him with Luke Voigt and probably figure out something. They'll probably do something with Tyler Wade in terms of their defensive replacements to where, you know, in a bigger game, DJ LeMahieu slides over and plays first. Tyler Wade plays second, and then you've got uh, Glaber Torres and Glaber or Geo and Glaber on the left side of the infield. So that was it in terms of my moves and adding it all together with basic arbitration numbers and everything like that. That sets me at a payroll of $242 million, which leaves me a little bit of money at the deadline to make some moves and stay under that 248. Obviously possible to uh, move around some of that salary as well if they need to do that. But I like my team, and we'll go through the whole roster here in a little bit once I get through how many moves it is that you've made and you've needed. I think I have three left. I brought back Edwin just as a DH, you know. Um, I know he struggled in the postseason. Let's walk the parrot again for another year. I signed him for a one-year $8 million deal. Pretty basic, you know, straightforward. Um, another one I talked about earlier with backup catcher, I brought in I brought in Martin Maldonado. Um, just a guy who, really good framer, really good defensively, knows how to control the staff. So, you know, more than likely Gary's going to go on the DL like he has the past two years. Hopefully he doesn't, but, you know, whatever it is, what it is. So you got a guy who is basically an upgraded Austin Romine. He he'll hit a little bit better. So we brought him in on a five, two-year, five million dollar deal, pretty cheap for a backup catcher. Um, and then the other one, I made another deal. Um, I traded an up-and-coming middle infielder in the Yankees farm system. His name's Ezekiel Duran. He plays second base. Um, and we've been linked to a certain reliever for a while. About two years now, actually. Um, I traded for Michael Gibbons from the Orioles. Another power righty, mean slider, strikeout rate guy. Struggled in Baltimore, but it's Baltimore. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I was going to say, struggled in Baltimore, but it's Baltimore. They're bad. Um just as a, you know, an extra guy in the bullpen. You know, you didn't have to go out and sign anybody at this point. Um, he's under team control for another two years, if I'm not mistaken. So that's another thing that's big. But it's a guy that we talked about earlier. Cashman has been linked to. Maybe now is the time where he steps in and actually gets his guy. And that might be one of those guys that eventually at the end... You know, next year when Dellen Batansis' contract is up, you'd say, well, we've got Michael Givens, uh, so we're going to let Dellen go after making a run at it this year. So that was the end of that. So my final roster, as we go through everything here, careful, uh, I've got Luke Voigt and Eric Thames playing first base. I've got DJ LeMahieu being backed up by Tyler Wade, and I'll mention the bench guys afterwards. Glaber Torres is playing shortstop. Gio Urshela is playing third base. I've got Stanton in left. Brett Gardner and Talk Daddy, that's Mike Talkman in center field. I've got Aaron Judge in right field. The 2017 AL MVP Aaron Judge is playing right field. Gary Sanchez is being backed up by Kyle Higashioka, and I promise I will call him 
Higgy eventually, but I do like to say Higashioka. And the primary DH is Miguel Andujar. I just don't know. I did look into potentially trading Andujar. That extra bench spot helps. I think also that it's just one of those things he's been injured for an entire year, so it's kind of hard to see what his trade value may very well end up being in that regard. So essentially, I mean, you could easily replace Clint Frazier with Miguel Andujar in my John Gray trade. So my pitching rotation, I have Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton. I've subtracted Jay Happ and Jordan Montgomery and added Garrett Cole and Robbie Ray. John Gray. Or, I'm sorry, you had Robbie Ray. I had John Gray. Uh, my closer is Araldis Chapman. Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, Chad Green, Tommy Canely, Archie Bradley, Drew Pomeranz, and Dellen Batances. There's a possibility that some of those guys get moved because Luis Sessa could be in competition, but I am okay with upgrading his roster spot in this case, even if he did pitch relatively well for the Yankees down the stretch last year. Uh, Jordan Montgomery starts the season in the minor leagues. I think that would be a positive for him. I know he had a very good rookie season, but there's something uh, to be said for him building some innings back up down there. He didn't pit, I mean, it's not like he – it's two outings, but he didn't light the world on fire uh, when he came back from the disabled list last year either. So that is my team, and we are going to go and win the 2020 World Series. So go out through everything real quick with yours, and we'll wrap up. All right, so I'll go through the, the starting lineup first. We got Gary Catching, and then I have Luke Voigt at first base. Glaber Torres is playing second base. Gio Urshela is at third. Francisco Lindor is at short. Giancarlo in left, Brett Gardner in center, and Aaron Judge in right. My DH would be Edwin Encarnacion. Um, my bench pieces are Martin Maldonado. I kept Mike Ford on the roster as another left-handed bat. Um, DJ LeMayhew to play everywhere in the infield but shortstop. And then Billy Hamilton on the bench. My starting rotation is Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, James Baxton, Masahiro Tanaka, and Robbie Ray. Bullpen is Rolls Chapman, Zach Britton, Dellen Batances, Chad Green, Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino. I kept Luis Sessa and Michael Givens. The reason I kept Sessa over Loisica is because maybe they want to see if he can continue to be a starter. I hope not. I don't either, but you, you never know with them. They've done it before with Phil Hughes and yeah, I mean, I get it. I can understand why they would want him to be a starter until he can obviously prove that he can't. Yeah, but I would like to see him as a reliever. I really like that fastball slider combination. I do too. If we can just figure out how to not throw the fastball right down the middle. Yeah, and I think what was it? It must have been Game Six of the ALCS where Lasagna was out there and literally couldn't throw a fucking strike. Oh yeah, it was terrible. It was hard to watch. But um, with the addition of Michael Givens, that gives them their we want to see if he can be a starter thing, and it also gives Jordan Montgomery time in the minor leagues to work his stuff out too. Sure, some depth. All in all, I think that my goal my goal when I went in there as a GM was to maintain the bullpen and kind of fortify it if I can and upgrade the starting rotation. I feel like I did that. The lineup, like I mentioned, I think the lineup was good enough. They just need to hit better. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a different lefty bat than Eric Thames, maybe somebody a little more in the mold of DJ LeMahieu instead of Masher like Thames is. Uh, the defense at first base will bother me a little bit, but like I said, as long as everybody's healthy, knock on wood, I think that's fixable, uh, and we'll see what happens. 
obviously, uh, some other big questions were about Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar, some guys we've heard a lot about. Uh, I did end up moving on from Frazier. I just, I don't think he fits here. I think he's a good bat, not a great one. And I think that if he weren't a prospect, then there wouldn't be as much, oh my God, why is Clint Frazier not on this team like there was last year? Uh, I mean, can you imagine knowing what we know now? Remember when they brought Talkman back uh, for the London series because of defense? Can you imagine Clint Frazier running around in that outfield? That would be terrible. Yeah. So that was kind of the thought there. Yankees have enough guys that can DH. I would like to eventually, hopefully if Aaron Hicks can come back, um, they can DH Stanton the majority of the time. Now, not that I think he's a bad left fielder. I just think it saves his legs and his bat is why he's on this team. So that'll do it. Can we talk That about will not thing? do it. I want to talk about one thing. Did you see the man from the Boston Globe bring up the Mookie Betts trade? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh no i thought you were talking about dan shaughnessy saying that mookie betts is overrated oh no no which no, that no. was fucking stupid too no, but hold on no I'll, you're talking about i'll find it right here actually yes uh i don't remember who the writer is because i don't have it in the screenshot but it's from the boston globe you can find it i think pinstripe alley tweeted it they two did day, two days ago now it was the red sox and mookie betts and left-handed pitcher jay Grom. Groom, Grom, Groom, Groom, one of those two, um, to the Yankees for Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier, Luis Gill, and Michael King. Done. If Done. That, if that's what it takes to get Mookie Betts, sign me up. I'll let Francisco Lindor stay in in Cleveland. Done. And I'll let Robbie Ray stay in Arizona. Without and, blinking. Yeah, exactly. Like, if that's what it takes, he's going to play center field while Aaron Hicks is out. And I don't know when he gets back, who's going to go play left him. It'll be like the Jeter a rod thing where it's like, yeah, probably Mookie might be a better right fielder than judge. He probably is, but this is judge's team. That's judge's spot. I mean, I'm sure judge would be a little more willing to move than Jeter was once upon a time, but so you get him and he will hit lead off two. lead off judge will hit two. I was going to say if they want, if they want to hit LeMahieu one and then maybe bets two and then judge three like i don't i mean yeah i would i would move it down i would have bets lead off but that would be insane <laughs> yeah uh fun to bring up never ever no, ever going no, no, no. to happen i'm not suggesting it's going to happen i just saw it that being said that. if the red sox want to reconsider the general manager whoever this gentleman is that would make this trade please hire this man yeah, the thing is they didn't even ask for david garcia like, or, I would assume that he has to be in the deal 100%. I'll say this. Well, what are they going to do with Andujar? Uh, hell, I don't know. Because they have Devers. DH? J.D. Martinez. First base? Well, if they don't have Mookie, then maybe J.D. plays right field. Oh, God. I don't know. It, it's not good. There's a lot of <laughs> options. None of them are good. I'll say this. If there ever were a world that we don't live in where the Red Sox and Yankees are making real trades that actually fucking matter with each other... It's Glaber Torres is in that deal for Mookie Betts, in which case I love Mookie. I think he's the second best player in baseball. Glaber Torres is 22 years old, and I have attempted to rename my daughter after him on a couple different occasions. Unsuccessfully, but I will continue to fight the good fight in the name of Glaber Torres. That 
That is it. That is it. That's going to do it for this show. Check us out on Twitter. It's at Bronx Brothers 28. Check us out on YouTube. It's Bronx Brothers. We are on any podcasting platform you can think of. But if you like your Apple podcasts, please go on there, write a review. We like those reviews to have five stars. Feedback is welcome. We do enjoy it. Don't be a dick. That's rule number one. Seems like a good rule for life, I would think. But follow me on Twitter. Personally, I am at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow him. He's at a Westendorf 85 winter meetings, GM meetings, all kinds of different stuff. There's your general manager plan. Brian Cashman. It's an easy world series win. If you just listen to me, I think it's that simple. Thank you guys for listening. And of course, let's go Yanks.